I want you to go in your Bible or your iPhone or wherever you have to be with us. If you're on the Bible app, uh, I want to go to Luke chapter 22. We're going to read some verses of Scripture there in a moment. They've given me 20 minutes. Well, good luck. <laughs> you know, I, I'm saved and sanctified, but I still have to work on an ornery streak sometime. Uh, but I'm not alone in this house. I know, I know a lot of you. <laughs> Amen. I want to read some scriptures. That I just want to share with you that Easter season is upon us. And beginning today and, of course, next Sunday and then, of course, Easter. I want you to be here, especially for the word of the Lord. I want you to invite folk for Easter. I want to pack the place out, standing room only, and let's have a great time in the Lord on one of the most important days of the year. Easter Sunday is powerful. Uh, I wanted to say that in 2021, we need the Easter message. I want you in the next couple of weeks to read the gospel accounts of the, the journey from at least Palm Sunday, if you will, for the last seven days of the life of our Christ. Be accustomed to it. Make sure you know it. And, and let's, let's travel it together as we go through the word of the Lord. Contemplating, I want, to, I want to ask you to think about, beginning with today's message, next Sunday and Easter, about our Lord's resurrection. Review these events, and I want us to enunciate the gravity of the message that God delivered to humanity. And it was a powerful message. I think amen belongs there. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. I want to do something different this morning. I'm going to read us just a few verses at a time. I'm going to show you, I believe, four scenes that are different. It's all at the same location. What I'm going to read to you from Luke's gospel is four different things at the same setting. The setting is at the, the Lord's Last Supper with His disciples. As we read these words, I want you to understand something that is so dynamic. I want us to look at that physical happening, what's going on in the natural world, but at the same time, I want us to be conscious as we read what is happening in the spirit world, because this is a major portion of the salvation God sent to you and I. So let's look at both the spiritual and the natural scenes together. Luke 22, let's start with verse 19. Here we are at the Lord's Supper. This is familiar, but watch the spirit world. And he, meaning Christ, took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and said to them, saying, that's the physical part. Watch the supernatural. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. This is a physical piece of bread, fruit of the vine, and God is saying supernaturally in the spirit realm, I will break this body. I will pour out my blood for your salvation. And they didn't get it. A lot of people today don't get it. 
Let's go to the next one, 21. Watch both scenes. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. Watch this. That's prophetic. A quick, a quick prophecy. The hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man, watch this phrase, goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Can you imagine what the disciples were thinking? Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Who's going to fall? Who's going to lead? Boy, the atmosphere changed in that room. Suddenly look at its result. Verse 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them would be, should be considered the greatest. I want every young person and every parent in this room to understand about greatness and leadership. Because here's the lesson the Lord taught at, at a time when he's headed for his own death. And the human ego always resurrects itself. One of these are going to betray me. Woe to the man that does. Immediately they go into, well, who's going to take a place and who's going to rule? Verse 25, and he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. This should tell us about Christian character. On the contrary... He who is greatest among you, let him be as young. And he's talking about that someone that is not yet in authority or positions. Let him be as young. And he who governs as he who serves. Would God that Washington, D.C. would take on the mindset of being servant rather than somebody who has power? Watch this verse, 27. Watch what's happening in the spirit realm. The Lord's teaching them, For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or he who serves? I want to ask you today, do you sit or do you serve? Because that's important. It is not he who sits at the table. Is it not who sits at the table? Yet I am among you. Here's the king. Here's the king from glory. Descended from heaven in the form of a man. I am among you as the one who serves. But you are those who have continued with me in my trials. And I bestow upon you a kingdom. What is he talking about? They didn't get it. I bestow upon a kingdom just as my father has bestowed one upon me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. I can't fathom what they were thinking. Can't fathom what they were experiencing. But suddenly after that statement there's an entirely different atmosphere in the room. Let me show you. For suddenly the Christ says this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. While Christ was teaching these disciples, 
Satan in heaven approached the throne to try to destroy Peter. And Jesus saw it. He said he wants to sift you as wheat, verse 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I want to tell you something. God knows we're going to fail, but aren't you glad he prays for us and has a recourse for us? But he said to him, Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster shall the, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me, deny three times that you know me. Those are dynamic situations that happened in the physical realm, but all had major ramifications in the spirit world. And then he went on to Gethsemane. He went on from Gethsemane to Pilate's hall. He went from there to crucifixion. A man asked me a few days ago, Pastor, what in the world can we do when it seems like we can't do anything? He asked me that. And in a world filled with disaster, in a, a world where evil seems to prevail, in this world riddled with vain philosophies of uh, even educated men, the mood of the believer can frequently reflect this man and his question and ask the same question. I've heard it so many times through 2020, people asking, what do you do when you can't do anything? Have you been frustrated that you'd like to do something that would change the political picture in our nation? Are you just going to be quiet on me this morning? Don't you get frustrated? Boy, I get so frustrated. I, I, I want to do something, but I go, what can I do? I don't feel like I can do anything. And I've been thinking about that. That's where this comes from. So my time's almost gone. So what can we do? Do we sit idle and, and weep and wail and, and just tread water? I want to declare to you that with an absolute no, there is an answer at least to guide our conduct during these uncertain days. So let me say, the lovers of Jesus, the New Testament Christians, the disciples face the most difficult situation that perhaps humanity has ever faced. They had arrived at a point where they had believed and given their whole lives to this Christ and they can do nothing to stop any of it. And yet I declare to you, they did something that is much. I'm going to read over in verse 23. I'm going to read a couple of verses. They have put Christ on the cross. They have driven nails through his flesh. They are crucifying him. They hear him say, what can you do when, when you hear someone say, I'm doing the will of my father? What can you do when, when he goes, God, into your hands I commit my spirit? What can we do? And the centurion in verse 47 says, he saw what was happening. He glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Notice the next two verses. What can you do when you can't do anything? 
Verse 48, and the whole crowd, this was the big mob crowd. These represent the majority. And I want to tell you something. Just because the majority votes does not mean the majority's right. Because they got it all wrong. Watch this. And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. They thought it was a victory. We're rid of this troubler. Verse 49. But all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Wow. I read through that so many times. First of all, I want to say, I have four points right quickly. Number one, they stood watching. Pastor, watching? Stand watching? I think better language to convey the meaning here, perhaps some of it lost in translation, is this. These who followed him and loved him stood at a respectable difference, distance, watching. Yes, they were shaken. Yes, they were bewildered. Yet in constancy of faith and in hope of the kingdom that God had promised him and he had promised them, they stood there with great and deep respect. I want to tell you something. When somebody's dying, it means a lot that somebody is standing there and just watching if they're saying nothing. I believe these people wanted him to know we are here, we believe, and we respect you. There on the cross was the best thing they had ever known. The hope of their future was hanging there and according to appearances, God is defeated. And look through the Old Testament at all the examples God gives us where it looked like circumstance and the devil were in victory, but the whole scene changed. Listen, don't ever rule God out of anything. Suddenly, they could do nothing. And yet they did something. So hear me this morning. When you can do nothing, you can refuse to do wrong. And that's important. The disciples refused to say that wrong was right. And in America today, as a pastor and a Christian believer and in a church congregation, I will refuse to say that wrong is right. Amen. Amen. And that is one thing we can all do. And let me tell you, it's a big thing. I want to tell you, all of you who want to rebel and all of you who want to tear our buildings down and all of you who want to live in rebellion and all of you who want to live in a chaos state where you want to push God out, you're going to have to push me with Him because I want to tell you, I will not admit that wrong is right. <laughs> wow, I got all fired up right there. I want you to notice something, though, something they did not say. Because here's what the temptation is. If you don't really have the goods, if you don't really have a deep knowledge of salvation, if you're religious without a relationship with God, you can say this, but these people stood there and their statement of just watching said this. A lot of people would have said this. 
And this is the world we're in today. Well, I guess this shows the circumstances, the majority. It shows that Pilate was right and Jesus was wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, no matter how powerful wrong seems to be, you and I can refuse to call it right. And so be it, Lord, in our life. Amen. Secondly, they maintain the faith that God was more powerful than Rome. And I want to tell you something. God's more powerful than all the politics on this planet. Saints, we can maintain and we can hold a faith in a moral and a faith in a spiritual power who came and stood in nothing and spoke into nothing and everything exists is. That's the God I serve. That I want you to notice something. The evidence at this scene was all against them. As a matter of fact, they fled. Even the disciples, the best among them, hid in a room. The doors being shut. You know what's amazing? Just a little while after that, Jesus came right through the wall. Read it in the scripture. He came to them, the doors being shut. Listen, the God I serve can go anywhere, anytime, anyway, as he pleases. Because he is above and beyond the mind of humanity. But we can see now that the visual evidence was wrong. Young people, mom and dad, grandparents, when men and young people and women and when people of God hold faith in the power and when they hold faith in the love of God, here's something you need to know, young people. Here's something you need to know, mom and dad, grandparents, when Satan comes in like a flood. When you hold faith, you furnish God with a leverage in your life so he can send you his saving and keeping power. There is something about a family altar when Satan comes in and attacks and he says, this all is coming against you. I want you to know that Christ gave us authority and in that house you ought to pray. Satan, you're a defeated foe. The blood of Jesus is against you. You foul spirit from hell. You will have no place in this house and we command you that you leave the premise. Amen. And so let me just tell you, Christian dad, that's your place. Show your wife and show your children. Show them a spiritual authority. Live it right. Believe it right. Take the reins and make that a godly home. Amen. God, with our faith, it, gives, it furnishes God a means to help us. I just want to say this. God is above all. Will you say that with me? Ready? God is above all. Will you say it again? God is above all. Will you turn to someone and let's say it again? Look them right in the eye. God is above all. Amen. The third thing is this. The disciples stayed together as a corporate body of believers. And they laid the foundation for the growth of the New Testament church. And that church... In spite of how weak it looked on what we call Good Friday. No matter how weak that New Testament church looked, that church has proven to be the greater and more lasting power than Pilate or Rome. No wonder he said it is finished. Number four, lastly, 
they obeyed the last command they were given. I'll never forget sitting in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. That's where our youth pastor is today in basic training. He trained where I trained. I'll never forget sitting in a classroom and that major stood up there and he just, you know, they, they know how to command attention. They know how to make you listen. And if you don't want to listen, they know how to make you listen. If you've been there, you understand. But I'll never forget something he said. Many of you have heard this before, but it's true. He said, soldier, if you ever get to a place that you do not know what to do, you get to a place where you have a decision to make. Here's what you do. You just keep obeying the last order you received until it's changed. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. You just keep obeying that order. They could have said, now what? Looks like all of our plans have been aborted. Things didn't work out. I guess he wasn't a prophet. Watch this. Let's go back to normal. Have you heard that lately? How many times have you heard the question, when are we going to get back to normal? I hope we don't. I hope we get back to a revival in America. If we, I hope we go toward a revival in America. Because I want to tell you something. God never supports a backward movement. God's always a progressive God. He always goes forward. He never, he never supports a backward movement. Boy, I'd like to take some time right there. When Moses and them went to cross and Israel went to cross the Red Sea, God did miraculous things. Do you know that he led them by fire by night and a cloud by day? We understand the plagues that went before Pharaoh. I hope you know the story. They got right to the water and the water didn't depart till the priest's feet touched the water. And God made a wide wall. Some say a hundred feet congealed water and Israel went across on dry land. When they got over there, they needed water. He provided it. They needed food and he provided manna and quail they needed everything to sustain them when we're talking some two and a half million people this wasn't just your family or mine this was a major amount of people and in the desert God provided food and water and then the more got over there they decided they didn't like manna anymore they wanted the beans and the leeks and the garlic I can't imagine somebody wanting garlic but they wanted garlic back at my wife loves it and I love what one minister said years ago I've said it wait a minute they wanted to go back take us back they wanted to go back where they were used and abused as slaves just because they're uncomfortable now you won't believe how Satan can work on your uncomfortableness it's easy to give up and let's just go back. God will never support that. God, it's onward, Christian soldier. And this minister and I copied him. I've said it many times. He goes, if you go back, there's some questions to ask. If you go back, who's going to provide water from the rock? Because God's not going to. If you go back, who's going to provide the food? If, if you go back, who's going to part the waters of the Red Sea? If you're going to go back, who's going to lead you and guide you? And if you go back, who's going to form a new treaty with the new Pharaoh? God's not going backward. 
So when Satan comes into your house and like a flood, he wants you to quit it all. That just be still. Just be still. And obey the last commandment you received. With this, I'm closing. Praise God. They remembered his last instructions. And if you want to go to Acts chapter 1 and read it, it's great. Read it in the next few days. After resurrection, he was with them for 40 days. And just before he ascended, he told them three things. First of all, tarry. You wait. And for 10 days, they gathered in an upper room. And secondly, he said, be endued or filled or baptized with my spirit. Tarry, be baptized. And thirdly, then you go. You witness. You get full of my spirit and you witness. Generation 2021, the message is this. What do you do when you can't do anything? You can keep on believing. (laughs) Don't allow circumstance to affect your faith. Now faith is the substance of things not seen, the evidence. You can keep on believing. What can you do? You can keep on being obedient. Remember what he said. Because he came the first time. I don't want to tell you he's coming the second time. And you know what? He's coming after people who are faithful. Faithful. When the Lord returns, how many of you want to, if, when he comes for the church, how many of you want to be out of here? If you don't raise your hand, you're going to stay. How many of you want to be out of here? I hope God doesn't have to call you second, third. I'm just being funny. I want to be out of here, don't you? But it's going to not be because we're special. It's going to be because we're faithful. I'm depending on you to stay faithful.